think you're supposed to stand here and make a motion about this. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you and praise you for this day. And Father, we thank you for your word that you've given us and your people have recorded over many centuries to teach us what you want us to do here on this earth. And Father, we thank you especially for your son Jesus who came to fulfill those promises you made so long ago. And we thank you and praise you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Today, we're going to talk about Jeremiah. I bet there ain't many people that can tell me much about Jeremiah. He's not a bullfrog. <laughs> or nothing like that. You know, in Little People's Church and a lot of the Bible stories that we can tell, like, you know, David and Goliath or Moses leading the people out of Egypt or Joshua marching around Jericho, they're kind of feel-good kind of heroes here, right? I mean, we defeat Goliath. We, the people escape from Egypt. But Jeremiah was um, in a, a much more difficult situation than, than these people find themselves, right? Um, so, to set the stage for Jeremiah, we have to go back about 400 years. And I'm going to try to summarize 400 years um, as I read along here. So if you want to check me on that, you, you need to read Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. Okay, so I'm just going to summarize. We're not going a whole lot here. But we're going to start with God's promise to David. And so we're going to turn to 2nd Samuel, verse 7, chapter 7, verse 4 to start with. You with me so far? Jeremiah, indeed. You got it, Sally? No? It won't come. Okay, that's okay. I can read it. Second Samuel. This is God's promise to David, okay? And um, this is when um, David is king, right? And uh, Samuel, the prophet, is already dead. Now the prophet's name is Nathan. And we're just going to start with verse 4, and we're going to skip around a little bit. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, and this is, he's going to be saying this to David. And verse 12, and when your days are over, he's talking to David, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish your kingdom. And jump down to 14, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And when he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by man, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as, long as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. And this is the key one right here, 16. And your house and your kingdom 
will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. All right, so God has promised David that his throne would be established forever. So what I'm going to do next here for the next several minutes here is go, go through Jewish history as we go from David all the way to the end of the, the, the Jewish state, as it were, right? So follow along. Solomon becomes king after David, right? Solomon, he was a real smart guy, or he thought he was a real smart guy. He built the temple. He led Israel to its greatest uh, spot of glory, right? They had a temple. They had a country. They had a king. They were rich. Everything, life was good. Everything was good. However, the howevers and the buts, but Solomon began to worship the idols of his many wives. How many of you know that's not going to sit well with God, right? So, God tells David, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to let Solomon rule to the end of his life. But after that, it's, it's, uh, it's no promises. So when Solomon died, the country was divided into two parts, right? The southern kingdom of Judah and the kings there were from the lineage of David. Makes sense? Northern kingdom, which was called Israel. That gets kind of confusing here. Um, their kings were not uh, from the lineage of David, right? So we, we keep in that promise that David, that his lineage is going to go forever, right? So the, uh, when, they, when they split like that, right, the old divide and conquer thing couldn't be more true, right? Both kingdoms saw a steady decline spiritually and militarily, right? I mean, they just, they, we divided them up. Now they started getting attacked from the outside, and they, they had more and more Spiritually, they became more and more involved in idol worship. They even built idols and put them inside the temple. Now that, you know, I mean, that'd be like after, after we get through here, we're going to invite the witches in to have a service here, and they're going to do a thing, right? That just ain't going to cut it, right? Does that make sense? I, I don't know what they were thinking. And then militarily, it was the attacks from the outside from the people in Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon. And finally, Babylon took them out, took out the last of them. And after the kingdom was divided, the northern kingdom lasted about 200 years. And then the Assyrians wiped them out, took them into captivity. They were, they were gone from, from, uh, from then on. About 130 years later, the southern kingdom of Judah fell to Babylon. Everybody with me so far? We doing long two kingdoms, one, that one's gone, this one lasts another 130 years. Right. We get into Jeremiah. We get into Jeremiah. And during the 130 years there, the southern kingdom slid further and further from God, right? More and more into idolatry, further and further from God's laws, that kind of stuff. 
But during this period, this 130-year period, there were two spiritual revivals, two significant spiritual revivals. The one we're going to talk about is the last one, because we, we get into Jeremiah, um, where we have King Josiah. You remember King Josiah? Anybody remember King Josiah? Philip, you don't? No. He, we, we talked about this before. He became king at eight years old, right? And he was determined to serve God, right? So the first thing that he did was all of the um, idols and temples and shrines that his father and grandfather had built all over the country, he tore all those down. Then he went into the temple and started repairing the temple. Y'all remember this in a minute. And then when he was repairing the temple, what did he find? He found the book of the law. Like, how would those people have in church when they weren't, didn't have the Bible? You know, I'd be like us having church and we don't have the Bible. Anyway, he found the book of the law, right? They dusted it off. Oh, I found the book of the law. Then he sat down and read it, right? And then he says, oh my, we are way, way off from what God wants us to be doing. Y'all remember this story now? Anybody remember this story? No? All new. Okay. So, so then, this is where we're going to read right here. 2 Kings chapter 23. I feel like I'm losing you, but it's okay. All right, this is, this is Josiah. He reads the book of the law. He sees that they're, they're not doing well at all. And we're going to read chapter 23, starting with verse 1. Then the king, which was Josiah, called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and he went up to the temple of the Lord and the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people from the least to the greatest. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments, statutes, and decrees with all his heart, with all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Now we get into Jeremiah. Jeremiah's ministry began during the reign of Josiah. And he was probably right there in the midst of those people renewing his covenant relationship with God. Right? So next in history, Josiah dies. He's killed in battle. And it kind of all goes downhill from there. Now, we're in the last 25 years of existence of the southern kingdom here. Right? The last 25 years. Right? We've, we've been going since David. About 400 years. Almost 400 years. Now we're in the last 25 years. Right? And this... Unfortunately for Jeremiah, is a time where he is prophesying for God, right? We doing okay so far? Jeremiah. You knew, you knew Jeremiah was in this period? I didn't. So, 
Let's read Jeremiah 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Jeremiah is one of the longest books in the Bible. But it's not written in chronological order. And it's hard to follow. But we follow that. At the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Athathoth, in the territory of Benjamin, the word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah. Remember we talked about Josiah. Son of Ammon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Israel went into exile. And the word, word came to me saying, and the word came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. And now this is Jeremiah speaking. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. That's kind of like you got to watch what you say, right? You say, oh, I'm too young. I can't do this. And the Lord said, don't, don't say that anymore. Don't say that I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. And do not be afraid of them. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I have pointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Those last, the, the first parts, uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow, we'll see all that happen. Build and plant. Think about that for a minute. Don't, don't lose thought of that. Now, so, so Jeremiah was sent to tear down, well, he was going to prophesy that the Babylonians were coming and completely destroyed Jerusalem and Judah, right? That's not a good message, right? I mean, um, just like the feel-good stories we had before, like David killed Goliath, and everybody was happy for David, and wow, we did good. So Jeremiah is going to have a, a message of they're coming to kill us all, pretty much. They're coming to take our country. That's a tough message, I would think, to bring to people. And, and they, didn't, they weren't too happy with it either. All right, so let's read one, one, a little bit further in Jeremiah, down to verse 14. And the Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out. That, that means Babylon. On all who live in the land, and I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdom, declares the Lord. 14, 15, let me see. Um... 16, I will pronounce judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me and burning incense to other gods and in worship, worshiping what their hands have made. 17, get, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, 
what I command you to. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. So he is, God has set Jeremiah up to be against all the people of the land. I'm glad my name's not Jeremiah. That would be pretty tough. And they will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So Jeremiah has a message of coming destruction. You know, this, the, the, the southern kingdom in the next 25 years is going to be destroyed. So back into the uh, history of it. After Josiah, you know, I didn't start my timer. That wasn't smart, was it? I got 15 more minutes. Okay, I'm halfway through. So, Josiah, after Josiah rode out there and got himself killed in battle, the next king of Judah lasted about three months. So he wasn't, he wasn't too, there too long. The Egyptians came and took him away. The next king, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm summarizing this is... Uh, Kings, Chronicles, that kind of stuff. The next kings, and I'm glad y'all can't see the names because I'm probably murdering them. Jehoiakim pledged allegiance to King Nebuchadnezzar. All right? Nebuchadnezzar is a Babylonian, and I hope I'm saying Nebuchadnezzar right, but anyway. But later he rebelled against him, right? So the Babylonians came and defeated Jehoiakim. King Nebuchadnezzar then took the valuables out of the temple or everywhere he could find it right and he took important people people in the king's court um, skilled tradesmen blacksmiths carpenters anything he could find that was valuable he took those people back to Babylon right and this is this is what we call the first exile into Babylon right makes sense y'all heard of exile into Babylon before Good. This is the first group. Daniel was in that group. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Daniel's in this group. They've taken Daniel away. All right. So we got old Jehoiakim. They took him prisoner, took him back to Babylon too. Babylon's getting full. Got to be right because they keep taking people there. Kind of like us. Yeah. The next king, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, lasted only three months. And I guess Nebuchadnezzar just sent a message to him and said, come on to Babylon, we're going to put you in jail. But when he did that, he also took more stuff out of the temple and more people. This time he took Ezekiel. Did y'all know that? Did you know that? Ezekiel went that time. All right. So this is the second group. That good? We doing okay? Okay. All right. Now, hey, do you remember the promise of David? Like, your lineage and your kingdom will last forever. Okay. Well, here is the last king of Judah. Now, most of the people at that time believed that the Babylonians could not take Jerusalem or destroy the temple because God had said 
but the lineage of David is going to live forever. How's this going to work? They not, you know. And in the meantime, Jeremiah is saying, they're coming, they're going to take, the, take down everything, they're going to run, run, get out of Jerusalem, right? They're not listening to anything Jeremiah says, and we'll get to that part. So King Zedekiah, he did the same thing as two kings before him. He pledged allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar, Fair enough. But later he rebelled. The Babylonians came. And this is the thing you heard about the siege of Jerusalem where they didn't have any food. Anyway, he laid siege to Jerusalem for two years. Right? Two years surrounded the city. Right? So Zedekiah and his army, after two years, decided they were going to try to slip out the back door at night. Well, he didn't make it. Right? They caught him. They, he, they chased him down, caught him, brought him back to Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar is not real happy with what's happening now. So the first thing he did is bring Zedekiah's young sons before him and kill them. Then he put out Zedekiah's eyes, took him as a prisoner back to Babylon. This time, the Babylonians, remember we had one group, second group, third group. This is the third one, right? This time, there's no mercy. Men, women, young, old, no difference. He took everything out of the temple, tore down the temple, tore down the city walls, completely destroyed the city of Jerusalem. Okay? Rubble. All right? Good. Who's the prophet? Jeremiah. He's still there. He's still there. Jeremiah's there. Jeremiah's living through all of this. Right? He cares about his country and his people. All of this is happening to Jeremiah. Da -da -da -da. So, after he... Now, that was the last of David's lineage that was kind of in line. There's, there's one more guy out there, but he, he doesn't come into play. So, so this time, came Nebuchadnezzar appoints a governor to kind of govern over what's left of Jerusalem in there. Doesn't sound too bad, right? The Israelites plot, quickly assassinate the governor. Right. Now, Jeremiah and some of his group there, or mostly their group, they say, wow, we have really messed up. We need to pack up and go to Egypt before Nebuchadnezzar finds out that we have killed his governor because what's he going to do this time, right? How many people is he going to kill this time? So they went to Egypt. And they forced Jeremiah to go with them. This is a good story so far. You ever heard this story? Not me. All right. Here we go. Jeremiah, how much, how much more time I got, Cat? Seven minutes. We better roll. All right. Let's read Jeremiah 20. So, so, you get, so you see, I want you to understand what Jeremiah is going through, right? I mean, he's not David, David, and Goliath, and everybody's cheering, right? He is telling them that destruction is coming, and the people absolutely hate him. They beat him. They throw him in prison. They mock him. 
They plot to kill him. He is doing exactly what God wants him to do. And the people want to kill him. A lot like Jesus. But Jesus did have some people that liked him, right? But, and Jesus did miracles and helped people and that kind of stuff. But this man, Jeremiah, is just getting, he is getting plummeted from every side. Every th- he is doing exactly what God says. And the people, and, it is, and you know, his country is being destroyed. And now he is, exi- he is exiled himself. Well, not really. They took him in Egypt. He's not even in his own country anymore. All right, here we go. 20, uh, Jeremiah 20, verse 1. Jeremiah 20, verse 1 through... Got it, got it. Yeah, there you go. And when the priest Pashar, son of Ishmer, the official in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah the prophet prophesying these things, he had, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. And the next day, Pashar released him from the stocks. And Jeremiah said to him, The Lord's name for you is not Pashar, but terror on every side, for this is what the Lord says. I will make you a terror to yourself and to your friends. With your own eyes you will see them fall with the sword of the enemies, and I will give all Judah into the hands of the king of Babylon, who will carry them away to Babylon or put them to death by the sword. I'm not going to read any more of that. Let's go down to verse 7. And this is when Jeremiah says... You have deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I, ri- I am ridiculed all day long, and everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I am not mentioned by his word or speak any more in his name his word is in my heart like a fire a fire shut up in my bones and I am weary of holding it in indeed I cannot so he has to speak and the people absolutely hate him all right so let's let's talk about when he has to go to Egypt Jeremiah 42 42 verse 19 so <clears throat> After they killed a governor, remember uh, um, Nebuchadnezzar appointed a governor and just about as fast as he appointed the Israelites made a plot, killed him. So now all the rest of the people, are they don't know what to do. They say, you know, we think we ought to go to Egypt. But so they go to Jeremiah and they say, Jeremiah, go to the Lord and ask him what we should do. And they do, and Jeremiah does. And in 10 days, Jeremiah comes back to the answer and say, stay right here. Oh, my, I'm late. Uh, Stay right here. But they say, nah, we ain't doing that. We going to Egypt. 42, verse 19. Verse 19. Remnant of Judah, which is the group that Jeremiah's in. The Lord has told you, do not go to Egypt. Be sure of this. I warn you today that you made a fatal mistake when you sent me to the Lord your God and said, pray to the Lord our God for us and tell us everything he has to say and we will do it. I have told you today, but you have still not obeyed the Lord your God and all he has sent me to tell you. 
Let's stop right there. So, everything. This last prophecy that Jeremiah got. He said, don't go to Egypt. What did they do? Right on to Egypt, right? So, Jeremiah, he had obeyed God step for step for step. The people rejected him one after the other after the other. Ridicule, mock, plot to kill. Now, all of this is background for what Jeremiah writes next in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations, verse 3. And this is, this is the, uh, the crux of our lesson today. Does that make sense? Really, Jeremiah was a hero of heroes, right? He never got, other than the time of Josiah, when, when we had this revival, the rest of the time, Jeremiah didn't ever see anything but gloom and doom, right? So, Lamentations 3, we're going to start with verse 7. And he is talking to God. And he says, He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighted me down with chains. Even when I call out for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made, the, made me the target of his arrows. You ever heard it like you walking around with a target on your back? That's worse yet if God's shooting at you, right? He probably ain't going to miss. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver, and I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mock me and sing song all, all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. Y'all want to chew on some rocks? Okay. He has trampled me into dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. The King James says, I forgot what goodness and happiness are. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I hope for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. A pretty sad state, right? Y'all ready? This is the verse. This is the verse right here 21 21 been, he had been beaten down pretty much his whole life 21 yet this I call to mind what did he call to mind and therefore I have hope because God's great love because of God's great love we are not consumed but his compassion never fails they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I, set my, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to, those, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. All right, so if we look at verse 20, I remember my soul is cast down within me and all that kind of stuff. It's misery, misery, misery. And then 21, he says, I call to mind, therefore I have hope. What happened between verse 20 and 21? This is audience participation. What did he do? 
He changed what he was thinking about. You ever heard of Joyce, uh, Joyce Meyer's Battlefield of the Mind? This is this is got to be one of her key scriptures right here. He changed what he was thinking about. He changed what he his mind was dwelling on. Instead of dwelling on all his broken teeth with gravel and all his spirit bent down within him, he thought about the goodness of God and what God had. If not for God's mercy, we would have all been consumed. 600 years later, in Philippians, I'm not going to read there, but 600 years later, Paul, writing to the Philippians, said, if there's anything good, noble, whatever, think on these things. Don't think on these bad things. So the lesson from Jeremiah is he, he's a pretty faithful cat. That's a fact. He's a hero to go through all of that, and yet at the end he says, yet I, I recall that God's mercy is new every day. And that puts him, puts his mind back where it's supposed to be, sets him. And so we, same idea, we have got to, if we dwell on uh, lack, fear, despair, disappointment, that's what's going to, be in our mind, that's what's coming out of our mouth. If we concentrate on prosperity and goodness and peace, our words and our life will follow that. Does that make sense? Okay, now the bonus question. How did God keep his promise to David that his throne would last forever? One word. One word. Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Yes. That was his, that's how he kept the promise to David that his throne would last forever. That was a little confusing, I'm sorry. Um, but now you know about the Babylonian captivity. And you know about this man, Jeremiah, who suffered and suffered and suffered. Doing everything that God wanted him to do. And he still, but in the end, he comes back. I remember God, I remember his loving kindness. All right. That took long enough. Okay. Um, next time I'll take my timer out of my pocket. That's it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for men like Jeremiah who were faithful to God through some very trying times where disaster after disaster had beset God's people. And Father, we, we pray that we would think on, on good things, that we would, we would think the, the thoughts that you would have us think and not dwell on what we don't have, but be thankful for what we do have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.